Welcome to Courage 1000 Project, the podcast for women seeking the courage to take the next steps in life. My name is Melias, the story collector, and I'm on a mission to normalize the emotional cycles all women experience so we can end the patterns of shame and guilt that are leaving us stuck, held back, and disempowered from making the next chapter of our lives magical. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode here at the Courage 1000 Project. And I'm super, super excited to get into today's conversation with the gorgeous Sharon Costanzo. Now, Sharon is an engineer, relationship coach, wife, and mum. And as a child, she learned that striving for perfection at all times was the way to earn love and approval. And doesn't that sound like a very familiar story for us all? But now she's on a mission to help other women free themselves and speak up for what they want and need. So I'm super, super excited to get into this one. So welcome, welcome to the show, Sharon. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. You're welcome. Now, you want to share with us today about how to speak up for what you want and need. But as you know, I love stories. So I'd love to go back to the beginning where did this start for you? Where did that need to have to speak up come from in your life? I have never been one to really keep quiet. I I was thinking about this before we got on the episode. I've always kind of had a a feisty nature. Like that's my, that's my default nature is to be kind of feisty. But (laughs) But I also learned that um, like, like I, like you said in your introduction, like doing everything perfectly, meeting everyone's expectations, earning that love and approval was how my default mode of getting what I wanted and needed. So, you know, and it goes right. I was always a really good student. I was a good athlete. I went to college right after high school and I got an engineering degree And then I got another engineering degree and, and then I entered the workforce and I always was just always really focused on trying to do everything the right way, always be above reproach. Um, And that worked pretty well for, for a long time. And my husband and I got married when I was 27 years old. And for the first couple of years of our marriage, you know, before we had kids, I was a little bit unhappy with how we were dividing our household chores and all of that, but it was very manageable. Like, because I was a pretty high achieving person, it was very manageable. But then we had two children in less than two years. And all of a sudden I felt like all of that extra work of childcare and housework and meal prep and all of those household responsibilities were falling on my shoulders And I was still working up until my second child was born. So I was carrying a lot of the load at home. And when my husband, when I would ask him for help or suggest that I needed help, we got into this really um, unhealthy dynamic where I would ask for help and he would kind of withdraw or, you know, say I'm doing enough or whatever it might be. And it got to the point to where, I would ask for help and he would become very hostile towards me. And um, that's pretty hard to deal with, isn't it? Oh, and it's yeah. what a lot of women actually experience. There's this oh, societal yeah. expectation that women just carry all this on their own. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, and I didn't realize when we got married, how much of those notions he had, I had assumed that because he's, you know, because when I met him, I was a, I was a working professional and he was also in the professional work environment. We actually met at work and I just assumed that he saw me as this accomplished professional person and that he would be more progressive about how we divided the household chores. Yeah. And it just didn't naturally happen that way for us. And so, you know, he felt like he was doing a lot. Yeah. And I just always felt like he wasn't doing enough. Yeah. And that dynamic and not being able to really have a productive conversation about that and find a solution that worked well for both of us. That's yeah. when that kind of the nagging and the hostility started in our relationship. Yeah. And that comes very naturally that when you're not getting what you want, you you um, pull out a destructive behavior in oh, order yeah. to get what you want. Mm hmm. Yeah. And let's face it, all women, we get to that point of nagging because we feel like we're not being seen and heard. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a very it's a very normal and natural way to respond when you don't feel like you're getting your point across. Yeah, yeah. So how, what did you do? How did you overcome that? Because it's not an easy thing and so many people are experiencing that. Yeah, it's so funny because <clears throat> there was one point in our relationship after... I think my daughter was about two years old and she's my second. So we still had two kids in diapers or maybe one child just transitioning out of diapers and it was Christmas time and nobody, nobody around me knew how much I was struggling in my relationship. And that's another really common thing. I think yeah. it's really hard to talk about your relationship struggles. There's a lot of shame associated with that. And I don't have any sisters so yeah. I, I don't have those, you know, just natural close relationships that I can talk about those things with. I didn't have any, yeah. any outlet for that. And so nobody really knew what was going on with us and how unhappy I was. And my father-in-law decided to give all of the couples in the family the book, The Five, Langu the Five Love Languages. Yes. Yep. And I got, and we opened that book and not only did he give all the couples this book, but he gave us like an unsigned check and it was like, once you finish the book, here's your real Christmas gift. Wow. And I was like, There's so much friction in our relationship right now that there is no way we're reading this book together. Yeah. Like I had read the book before and I had read you know, dozens of other books on communication and relationships and all of that. And I was still struggling. And yeah. so that was, that was kind of a little bit of a shock, you know, it was like, Oh, things are bad. And then a couple of weeks later, something came up and I felt like I just asked for help with a really simple task. And my husband was really hostile towards me. And then that night after the kids were in bed, I just told him, I said, if this doesn't stop, I don't want to be married anymore. Yeah. That's I a think. hard thing to speak up and say, and especially as the first thing you really speak up and say, that's huge. So um, at that point, he was like, well, I feel like we've tried everything already. And so he moved out for a short period of time. Yeah. And we were separated for about a month. We hadn't really seriously talked about divorce or anything, but we just 
we just need a cooling period. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we did start going to therapy while we were separated and he came back, he, you know, he moved back within that month and it wasn't really because things were all back to normal, but we were, we were on good enough terms that we could stand to be in the house together. That's kind of how I think of that period of time. Yeah. And, um, and so we were able to, to work on rebuilding our relationship. And what I learned from that point forward was just how much my communication patterns and the way that I was communicating was impacting our relationship. And I'm sure that you see this with the work that you do as well is once I took 100% responsibility for my part in the relationship and figured out what I could do to change the relationship dynamic, that's when things really started to change And I learned a few important things. You know, one of the things I had done for so long before that was just trying to be perfect all the time. And a lot of times when you're trying to be perfect, then you go to your husband and you're like, look at everything I'm doing. Yeah. Of course I deserve whatever I'm asking for from you. You know, know, it's kind of like a you owe me type dynamic. And I had to kind of, you know, in my head think, if nothing changes on his part, what do I need to do to feel like this? Like I can maintain this mm. level of, so a lot of it was letting go of having to have the house perfectly clean and yeah, every single meal just right. And the kids clothes, you know, always looking perfect. So a lot of it was letting go of that part. Like, like if I were to only be doing half of the housework, Instead of getting him to do 50% more, what if I did 50% less Yeah, and just was okay with maybe what, what normal people do to take care of their homes, you know, or whatever it might be. So it was that. And then it was, what, what time do I need away from my family to really fill my cup? Mm, I like that. Yeah. Um, so finding work that was really fulfilling and, and having childcare support that allowed me to do that work without a, a lot of extra burden on me to make all of those things work. Yeah. And then when I had, you know, when I had more of my own needs taken care of, then I could really figure out the communication side of things. Yeah. I love that you took that self-responsibility because that to me is the first step we have to take. We do have to focus on ourselves first and go, I know our relationship may be shit right now, but I can't focus on you because I need to figure out what's going on in here first before I can even address this stuff. So I think that's a huge step to take. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is like before I really started doing that, I would feel kind of crappy if my husband was doing the stuff that he liked. And I was like, why does he get to play video games? Or <laughs> yeah. Why is he playing video games all the time? And he's not ever like planning a date night with us or anything. And I'm feeling like his stuff is so much more important to him than our relationship. And when I started doing the same thing, it beca- it was really interesting how he seemed more drawn to me without me really asking for the attention. I yeah. think that when we become like whole and complete people with our own lives and our own interests we automatically become more interesting and more attractive to our partners and and the people around us 
And it makes sense too, as a high achieving woman, you have your stuff together. So (laughs) he met you as a strong, independent woman who was out there in life doing what she wanted. Mm -hmm. And then you get to motherhood and the societal pressure to do everything a certain way just crushes you. Oh, yeah. And then you fell into this place of disempowerment, which naturally pulled you apart from each other. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you you see you see that so well, probably just the patterns that you see in in the women that you work with. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I find especially that high achieving woman because Mm -hmm. we love motherhood. And yet there's a part of us that goes, I'm meant for more than this. Mm-hmm. And then trying to break free of that, all the shame and guilt that comes with it as well because, oh, you're not 100% dedicated to motherhood. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I am, but I've got a 1,000% to give the world. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. Now, part of the Courage 1000 project is actually normalising the emotions we go through because I do believe that when women can accept that our emotions are normal that going through these cycles is healthy that's when we can take control of our lives back so i'd love to know what sort of emotional cycle did you go through in dealing with all of this yeah there was definitely like a lot of anxiety i i've struggled with anxiety and depression for most of my life so that definitely poured into this as well so that I I think at first it's the anxiety like well what can I do to make this better and I I always need to be one step ahead of the situation and then I felt a lot of depression when things weren't working out just hopelessness like this is never going to work I felt a lot of shame because I I just thought that I not being able to have the kind of relationship that I wanted meant there was something wrong with me. You know, and it's like you said, like I came into this relationship as a very highly accomplished woman. And, and I was like, why, you know, how, how, how could this happen to someone like me who, who works so hard to make everything work? Yeah. And so a lot there, there was a lot of shame there. And then I'm trying to think of what other feelings. Did you get an angry phase after that? So there was, there was definitely some anger. Um, I think that the anger came after I kind of drew the line in the sand and said, I don't want to be married anymore. And of course, as you know, when you start to re- change relationship patterns, it's not like things just work out overnight. So then, you know, as I was starting to change and things didn't evolve as quickly as I wanted them to, I, I did become angry. And and there are still times in my relationship where I allow myself to be angry. Beautiful. And it's nice now because I what I teach in my coaching business is a framework for productive conversations. And one of the key parts of it is that you can always get something back on track when it falls off track. So Mm, I don't have to be afraid of being angry. You know, I am much better at not going straight to anger or straight to being shut down. But when I do, I know that there's a way to, you know, repair that and um clarify my intentions and get the relationship back on track so that's a really important discovery I think is just 
you don't have to always be doing everything right. And I think that that's something that I feel like in this personal development culture that we're in now, there's like a list of the right way to do everything. There's an elitism that seems to happen. Yep. And the truth of the matter is, is we're humans, you know, we're going to get triggered and we're going to lose our temper or shut down or all of those things that we do are, are still going to happen even when our relationships improve. It is nice to have a relationship where there's more of a foundation of trust so that that doesn't crush the relationship, but then yeah. to have some tools and skills to, to build back up when those things happen is really important. I love that. And I love what you said that there is this perception now in the personal development field of this is the right way to do things, which mm -hmm. is just creating more shame and guilt for those who are going through it. Oh, yeah. And I remember one time, like, as this change was happening for me, I said something to my husband, you know, and, and I was always trying to be really conscious of how I came across and stuff. And I said something to him and he goes, oh, well, since you asked the right way, I guess I'll do that. And I was like, that's not really the point here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have like, me up. I don't want to be held to this standard of if you don't ask me things the right way, then I don't have to do it. Yeah. I want us to have a different kind of relationship than that. And so yeah. sometimes listening to those little um, like intuitions of, you know, we're, we're kind of on the right track, but we're not quite there yet. Let's let's talk about this a little bit more and decide how we're going to handle these things so that we don't have to be perfect all the time. And, and I love that what you said actually goes through the five stages that I believe all our emotions cycle through. So the first stage is that self-responsibility. You've got to overcome the fear of speaking up and take responsibility for your life. Mm -hmm. Then you step into self-care mode and start drawing those boundaries and going, no, I need space for me. Mm -hmm. Then you step into the anger and go, oh, some of this was pretty crappy. What can I do to make this better going forward? And a lot of the self-empowerment comes in there. I am going to do this. I am taking control of my life. Yeah. And then you just hit on it. We step into this intuitive phase of life can be better what do we need to do to make it better? Mm -hmm. And then that final stage is where we actually take the steps and we make it happen for ourselves. Yeah. And you've been through all those five steps. Yeah. Yeah. I love That's it. Really cool. It's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because a lot of times when I'm kind of talking about my business with new people, they'll say something like, well, can't you just give me a list of like ways to approach different situations like those scripts or something and i'm like you just can't have a script no. like it's like you say it's it's intuitive you do kind of have to go through the phases of kind of reprogramming your mindset and approaching things from a different way but once you get to that point then <clears throat> the, the the ways to to navigate conversations do, does become intuitive like you said yeah I love that. And I do see relationships kind of go through those stages as well mm -hmm. because you started out your relationship in this self-responsibility phase. You were both independent people. Mm -hmm. And then as you stepped into mothering, everything kind of fell apart because you weren't self-caring and maybe he was. 
Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there was this disparity between the two of you. Yeah. So, of course, you would have had to cycle through it all until you get to this place of power within the relationship itself. Yeah. Well, and I love how you said that. Like, I wasn't self-caring and he was. And I fell into this trap that I also see a lot of women fall into, which is, like, I don't have time for myself, so therefore you shouldn't have time either. Yeah. Yeah. And once I once I started looking at the things that I resented that my husband was doing as kind of a way to teach myself, well, what am I lacking in my life and what can I learn from him? You know, yeah. is it okay for me to sit on the couch and watch TV while he does the dishes? Hell yes, it's okay. <laughs> yes, it's okay. But for so many of us, we don't think that's okay. Yeah. And then we resent our husband for doing the same thing. And it's like, now we've gotten to the point where we, we share things more equally it's not always 50 50 but we share things more equally and when one of us needs that downtime you know i i've had just recently like i sprained my knee and then i got a really bad cough mm-hmm. and I, I i can just relax into that rest phase and know that everything that needs to be taken care of will be taken care of yeah and i don't have to feel guilty and i don't have to to try and kill myself to to do things even when I'm ill or injured. Yeah. Do you find you had to let go of the perfection of the way they did it for you? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because I find that is something we do get stuck in. We have a set way that we want things done. Oh, yeah. And then we don't let go of the control, the negative control of how it gets done. It's like don't worry about how. The outcome is there. That's all that you need to focus on. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting because I'm in a lot of Facebook groups and you probably see this too. There's so many times if it's a women's support group, it's like, help me settle a debate with my husband. Like, should we wash the dishes in hot water or cold water? Does it matter? And it's like, use your, use your points on something else. (laughs) Yeah. It's like talk to each other and figure it out between the two of you. Yeah, And you know, they're, Whoever, my opinion is whoever does it can do it however they want. Yeah, yeah. I have to admit, it's funny when you get to that point where you are stable because then it's the little nuances that make you laugh then. Mm-hmm. My husband and I still have a thing. He restacks the dishwasher after I've done it because I haven't done it the way he likes it. And yeah. now I just laugh about it because I'm like, well, it gets done either way. But if that if it's that important to you, then go for it. yeah. It's got nothing to do with me. Yeah, for sure. I love that. How you look all of a sudden those little differences and preferences don't become, aren't such a big deal anymore. Exactly. It's almost like, sorry, go. It's almost like before you get to that point, like you need to be validated by Mm. your, by, by being able to get your partner to do things your way. But then when you get to the point where you, can self-validate and you can acknowledge your own wants and needs that need for validation from your partner is not so strong Mm, I like that it is a validation thing definitely and when you learn that you can control the only person you can control is yourself you stop trying to control the people around you so much yeah yeah I like it Um, Now, I would love to know what happened once you found that courage to really stand up and speak your truth, bring your relationship back together. 
What's happened in your life since then? That's a really great question. So I, over the past two years, that's kind of been the the period of time that we've kind of relaxed into our new our new life. And I, I still work full time, even though I coach on the side. And like I said, I worked for nine years for the utility company before my daughter was born. And that was a very traditional male dominated environment. And I really struggled working in that environment. I felt, and there was, there was definitely discrimination and, um, sexism and all of that going on in the workplace. And that impacted me a lot. It was very upsetting. I didn't have a way of kind of rising above that. And I ended up leaving that workplace when I had my second child, a lot of it because I was so unhappy and I was, I was not getting the recognition that I felt I deserved in that workplace. Yeah. And then I spent some time working part-time running in a math tutoring center. That was a really fun job. And since that time, I've been back in, you know, kind of a more full-time professional corporate environment for the past two years. And just seeing the way that I've evolved and the way I can communicate and carry myself and how I handle things when, when things don't get go my way or when I'm not feeling seen and heard. I have such different relationships with the people at work. You know, wow. I, I can tell my boss, I don't agree with this in a way that doesn't make him feel defensive and attacked. And so even if things don't go my way and I'm not seen and heard, I feel like I've been able to speak up and they've been able to hear what I say. And a lot of times they don't have the power to change those things anyways. Yeah. So we can talk about it and, but it's just planting seeds. So that when the company is ready for change, then there's, you know, there's the information there. So I feel like the way I communicate at work has completely changed. I'm much more as a respected part of the team. I feel like people look to me for that. And then I'm also able to just those little things that come up with my husband. We are able to work through those conflicts so much better to actually solve problems in a way that feels like it works for both of us. So more collaborative problem solving rather than fighting for who gets to have their way, you know, the way that we decide how we spend our money. It doesn't feel so competitive. It doesn't feel so, you know, coming from that scarcity mindset so much. I like it. Now, final question before we wrap things up. If you could go back and talk to yourself before this all began, what message would you have for yourself? Um, That's a great question. I would just say, like, don't ever stop doing the things that make you feel like you. Mm, I like that. Because that's Mm. what I lost. I think that that's when I started to, you know, once I started to feel like I couldn't do that, that's when I started to feel unhappy and started looking to other people to try and fill that, that mm. void that I had. I like that. And that's a really powerful thing. When you stop looking to other people to make you happy and look at yourself, that's when everything changes. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Sharon. It's been an awesome conversation and one I know everybody would have gotten a lot out of. 
Yeah, well, thank you. It's been so fun to share that story with you. Awesome, awesome. Now, I will be back with you in just two moments. Now, uh, to wrap everything up for today, if you would like to get in contact with Sharon, you'll find her information below either the video, if you're on any of the social media channels watching this, or if you are on the podcast, you will also find her information below this episode. So if you need any help with your relationships, she is your go-to girl. <laughs> um, now, join us next week as we continue on this mission of collecting stories of courage so you can find the inspiration you need to take control of your life in a more feminine way. If you'd like to join me on my mission to normalize the emotional and intuitive cycles all women go through, join my free community at nellies.com.au.